Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 291 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor with a guest, Dwayne Heisler, and guest Tonya Morrow. Dwayne is a community activist and a political activist, as well as the chairman of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus and an avid union member, as is Tonya Morrow. We discuss Pennsylvania being a swing state, about how unions are educating people in the small communities and towns across the country where maybe the message has been lost on why progressive politics works for them. We talk about democracy being under attack, about politics and religion being something we should discuss with our family and friends rather than avoid. Oh, we have a great, great conversation about living life with dignity and respect and happiness. Today on the program, Dwayne Heisler and Tanya Morrow. We also have an EW essay titled, What is Real? And a short article from The New Yorker written by Anne Beatty titled, How to Think Through Finding a Lost Shoe. And a poem called Catalytic. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. Thank you so much for being with us. Let's get to it. Episode 291 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Couldn't be happy in the city tonight You can't see the stars from neon light Sidewalks dirty and the river's worse Underground trains all run in reverse Nobody here can dance like me Everybody clapping on the one and the three of mine The last of my kind Am I The last of my so many people with so much to do Winter's so cold, my hands turn blue Old men sleeping on the filthy ground They spend the whole day just walking around Nobody else here seems to care They walk right past them like they ain't even there Am the last of my kind? Am I the last of my Daddy said the river would always lead me home But the river can't take me back in time And daddy's dead and gone And the family farm's a parking lot For Walton's five and dying Am I the last of my kind? Am I the last of my kind? 
Tried to go to college, but I didn't belong. Everything I said was either funny or wrong. Laughed in my boots, laughed in my jeans, laughed when they gave me amphetamine. Left me alone in a bad part of town. 36 hours to come back down in my last of my time. Am I last of my kind? Mama says God won't give you too much to bear. Might be true in Arkansas, but I'm a long, long way from there. That whole world's an old and faded picture in my mind Am I the last of my kind? Am I the last of my kind? Am I the last of my kind? Am I the last of my is real. Pipe bombs and porno thongs gravitate toward each other as they define the commander and thief. Are we now to be bullied, my fellow Americans? The fake news is coming out of the mouths of those who refuse to abide by any sense of human dignity, honesty, kindness, love, and thoughtful vision one truly steeped in liberty instead of this vision informed by fear and bigotry without any semblance of honorable humility. I ask you, my friends, neighbors, and fellow citizens of the world, who exactly are we? Shall we just give up the ideals many of us strive to realize and come to terms with perhaps what is a more realistic understanding of humankind? that we are purposely blind to the complicated challenges that stump our misdirected and wrongly informed minds, that our souls maybe are shallow and our spirits can be easily carried away into a throng of hapless salespersons promising us a great deal on life everlasting with present-day high status and impressive curbside appeal, doing so with such earnest zeal. And we convince ourselves that, yes, this one will save us. This one has the simple solutions. This time we have found what is real. You said we should look out further I guess it wouldn't hurt us We don't have to be around all these coffee shops 
we got that percolator Never made a latte greater I'm saving $23 a week We drive to a house in Preston We see police arresting A man with his hand in a bag How's that for first impressions? This place seems to press
one. Dwayne Heisler, I just hung up on you. How's it going? <laughs> I hate when that happens. Hey, it's been a long time. How are you, man? Good, good. It's nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours yet again. Wonderful. I have Tanya Morrow here with me, so we have some surprises here. I know, I know. I'm very excited, and uh, we're going to talk today about, I guess, democracy in general. We're going to talk about unions and the upcoming election and a lot of the work you're doing. Let me give the people that are listening to the program a little background, though, first, Dwayne. Dwayne is a regular contributor on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. He's a community activist, a political activist as well. He's the chair of the Pennsylvania State Progressive Caucus, and he's a union member. And he has with them today Tanya Morrow. Can you give us a little background on Tanya? Um, I actually, I, I am a union member. Um, I work with our statewide program for the current elections, and I do a lot of uh, work. I, uh, our union members that I work with directly most of the time are from the healthcare sector, um, and I help to motivate them and get them involved in politics as well. So um, we're actually with SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, which of course is one of the largest unions in the world. And they have a very strong presence here in Pennsylvania and with New four York. locals, and in New York too, okay. um, with local unions. And so uh, we are fighting the ground fight right now. <laughs> the ground fight for the, uh, I guess, short in the short term, you're talking about the midterm elections, but I, there's a longer fight too, I'm sure. Oh, yes. I mean, there's no doubt, and our listeners probably already know this, that unions are under attack. Um, they are under attack across this country. So not just in Pennsylvania, but in Pennsylvania, it's really acute because of the situation with our state legislature and our governor. Right now, Tom Wolf is the only thing that's standing in the way of our survival. We are literally fighting for our good paying jobs for our survival because it's it's known and it's been very clear that if, if uh, his competitor gets elected, he will make this a right to work state and you'll see us fall just like all those other states in the Midwest. And so this is ground zero. Uh, for, for this fight in 2018, because not only is Pennsylvania critical for getting uh, Congress switched to, to flip the House, but it's critical in terms of how this union is going to survive in this state because of our governor's race. That's right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm a union member as well, uh, and I understand the value of, of a union. But I, I also I want to put out there some criticism that you often hear from the other side and uh, have you guys sort of respond to it. You know, uh, a lot of folks will say unions, they drive up costs. They sort of um, enable people to not do as much work as they would otherwise because they're protected and they could, they could be hapless and, and lazy. How do, you, how do you respond to those kinds of criticism? Unions help to build strength. Um, you know, we have a lot of corporate interests that are constantly working against um, the average working people. And when you have the backing of a union, when you are a member of a union, you are able to stand up to corporate injustices. It doesn't enable you to do less. It actually enables you to do more um, in advocating for your own work, the work of your coworkers, your clients, the people that you take care of, or the job that you do simply in, in whatever it is day to day. Um, when you have the 
protections and it's not something that you could just be fired for at the drop of a hat because your administrator or that corporation doesn't like your hair color that day. When you have those types of protections, that also keeps people at work right? It decreases turnover. It decreases the cost that corporations and, and, and businesses have to pay to retrain people that they've gotten rid of or fired. You know, there's a lot of benefits to having a union, and it also helps to build a relationship between the employer and the employees. The union is not just one-sided, only workers. We actually work very hard to work with the employers so that there's a, a, a relationship to build upon and grow. You know, I know for myself that if I'm in a hospital or my loved ones, my family members are in a hospital, I want someone there who's making a decent salary, someone who is professional, someone who stands up for good working standards and then makes sure that there's safety in the workplace. And unions are at the front of that battle. They really make sure that the workplace is safe, not only for themselves, but for their patients and for um, uh, for the public in general. Without that check and balance, we've seen atrocities happening in our healthcare and, and in other areas of business too. Gosh, my grandfather who worked on the railroad ended up with one arm and he had a thumb on his left hand because there were no safety standards there and he got into a train accident. That kind of stuff was common in Pennsylvania when you're working in coal mines and working on the railroad. We need to have someone fighting for those standards. And quite honestly, in today's corporate world where they're looking at cutting back costs, safety is one of the first things that goes. And so a lot of this has to do even with working in an environment that respects the fact that we're humans and we need to be safe in the workplace. I, I hear you. And, uh, you know, I think oftentimes the, uh, again, the argument is, to have all that safety and to make sure everybody's getting paid a decent wage, it uh, puts uh, our companies in this country at a disadvantage when competing economically with countries that don't have those sorts of standards because of unions. So jobs are lost. And oh, how, how <laughs> so I like to address this. Now, let us not forget, this is a time of record corporate profits and where the rich are obscenely rich. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, we have one healthcare facility here, and I'm not going to go into too much detail with it because they're in negotiation right now. But the CEO for that organization makes over $60,000 an hour. <laughs> $60,000 an hour. And do you know how much that worker is making? How much was she making? She's, I, I want to. I want to give the exact number, but it's less than ten dollars an hour. Oh. She's like at nine fifty. Yeah. They were negotiating yeah. towards, yeah. and she's been an employee there for ten years. So I don't want to hear about the poor corporations that can't take care of their employees when the CEO is making sixty thousand dollars an hour. Uh, doesn't fly doesn't fly. I want to make sure that my family is taken care of when they go to a healthcare facility. And that's going to be taken care of by people who are dedicated. I mean, at this point, people are going to leave. I don't quite honestly, I don't know why she's staying there. She's very qualified, a dedicated worker, a hard worker. She never takes sick days and, and she should be looking elsewhere. I don't want to tell her that because she's part of this union and she's picking up the fight for her co-workers to make sure that everyone can be lifted up. No one joins a union to make less money. No one joins a union to be less safe. No one joins a union to do less good work. I mean, these are hardworking American people and America needs unions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think when you say America, the United States of America, 
we should keep in mind what our what our ideals are and it, you know if you if you are true to those ideals it's not just unabashed capitalism that's what has become unfortunately and that often is why the rationale seems to resonate with so many people i think we've been brainwashed or we've been mis uh, educated to think that that's all that matters is the bottom line. And we forget about people being able to live a good life and being able to take care of their needs and their and have their rights also respected in terms of health and safety and such. So, yeah, it's it's a strange situation to me how many of our fellow citizens support anti-union rhetoric. Yeah, I, I think you got that right. That sounds right to me. And it is surprising. And, you know, I encounter this kind of, of um, narrative all the time. Um, and, and I do so also from I, I'm an elected member of the Democratic State Party, too, of the uh, I'm the Columbia County Democratic Committee State Committee person for the state of Pennsylvania. And I'm also on the executive committee for the state party. And I hear this comment all the time about why do people vote against their own self-interest? And that comes up constantly and here's the big news flash because people don't vote for their self-interest they vote emotionally and they vote based upon their values and sadly the values of uh, that a union brings forward which is collectively working together to improve the workplace to make sure that people can take care of their families becomes the back seat when people are afraid mm -hmm. and if that isn't in the news right now and people are not getting that right now they're missing the boat right now you know this news cycle is being dominated by bombs by attempted murders of democratic leaders in our country i mean I don't know how that doesn't sink in with people, you know, and, and so and that's a distraction from health care. That's a distraction from the things that really matter to people, which is, I mean, honestly, just having a good paying job, working hard and something that used to be called the American dream. And, and so these distractions, and, and this is why I feel so good working with Tanya and other people in SEIU and our other partners. I mean, we're not alone in this struggle. Between all of us, Lawrence, in the next two weeks, we're knocking on over 800,000 doors in the state of Pennsylvania to get out that vote, to, to talk with people about the issues that are important to them, making sure they have all the information they need to get to the poll so that their vote can be counted and they have a voice in our democracy. Our democracy is under attack. And so I, I know I just went around the world with that whole thing, there, but obviously we're very passionate about this work and we need people to stand up, just like you said, and to stand up for those things that are going to affect their lives directly. I would also add that 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 unchecked capitalism runs a very good ground game. So, you know, for almost the past 40 years, unions have public and private sector unions have significantly declined in the past actually 38 years. I think largely right after Ronald Reagan uh, went against the uh, air traffic controllers. Right. Um, and with the declination of unions has also uh, become the, the declination of the middle class. Um, which also leaves everyone scrambling and scrounging for the same crumbs. It does incite fear um, and fear of lack of resources, lack of money, lack of education, lack, lack of the ability to provide for yourself and your family. 
it creates this very depressing cycle of, gosh, you know, I vote and I really don't see things change in my life. Just like people right now who see the economy. I need to do something about that dinging. Uh, the economy, <laughs> the economy, ding, ding, it must like what I'm saying. I don't know. The economy right now where, where you know, supposedly we're doing very well. And this is, of, of course, building on what Obama had inherited and moving forward. But the fact of the matter is, is that the average person hasn't seen their wage go up. That's right. We're still working in, uh, for scraps here. Uh, although the tax cut, you would, you, you know, the tax cut went to the top. You know, that could have really helped. New York. And they had Republicans had such a chance to really work with the middle class. And they thought of themselves. That's what they did. And and of large corporations, which is where that all went. And so it, it leads to depression and people just um, they, they, they kind of ask the big question, like, why should I vote? Does it really matter? Um, and that's the sad part. That's the really sad part. There are people out there who do not want you to vote, and they run a good ground game, yep. as Tanya said. Yeah, they do. They they create the apathy that you're talking about. They also disenfranchise just disenfranchise people via the law, you know, with ID, uh, right. I guess mandatory ID laws and things of that nature. It's really a, a tough, hardcore ground game, as you mentioned, to counter. And do you think? We're going into the midterm elections, as mentioned. Now, some of the folks that are going to be listening to this will listen to it after the, the elections because this, this syndicates through a lot of different radio stations across the country. Um, either way, do you, do you think we, ha we have a good chance, we Democrats, have a good chance of taking back the House and the Senate? The House, absolutely. I think that everything is in place for that to happen. And I don't want to sound like the most common political cliche, but it all comes down to turnout, which we know is that that's what happens. And um, I believe the answer to fear is inspiration and maybe some humor. Mm -hmm. If we can really, truly inspire people to have a vision of what things could look like in a government that takes care of its people, a government for the people, I know that's a concept that seems to be lost, but if we can only present that vision to them and 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 they vote on that like the idea that things can actually get better and we can see evidence of that throughout history you know the fact is is that we have made advances and we have made improvements which is one of the reasons why this election of Donald Trump in 2016 was so heartfelt because it just set us backwards from the direction that we were moving and so um so for those people that are listening to us right now after the election um, I hope that um, I hope that that comes true. That that's what we're looking at. I know hope's not a plan. We're working our butts off here mm -hmm. to make sure that we get that house. Now the Senate, the Senate is kind of pie in the sky. Honestly, there could not be a worse map for the Democrats this year. I think mean, going back for decades, like we just mm -hmm. it, there's so many Democrats that are that are up and fighting. In fact, we're fighting. This is not the Senate, but in the House up here, we're fighting for Congressman Matt Cartwright right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. He's one of the few Democrats whose seats are really uh, he's in a state that Trump won right. and so he has an uphill battle same with our governor we are the only Democratic governor in a state that was won by Donald Trump so when I say Pennsylvania is ground zero I really mean that this has to happen we only have five out of the 18 congressional seats in Pennsylvania we're hoping to pick up at least three of those and make it even thank thank goodness the courts throughout some of our gerrymandered districts that's gonna go a long way mm -hmm. to making sure that people vote really counts. Instead of politicians determining who votes for them, we get to decide who our politicians are. And when we do that, and when we show up, and when we vote, we win. 
we being the the greater uh, number of people who who uh, kind of are aware that the system's not working for us, but that have become apathetic. You you believe there are, there's a silent majority out there that's not coming out to vote, and if they do, things will turn in our favor. Yeah, we have more than a silent majority. We actually have about 800,000 more registered Democrats in this state than Republicans. So it's more than that. Although, you know what, when they don't vote, they are silent, right? So they're not really doing that. So I I get your point with that. Absolutely. And so it's a matter of being able to do that outreach to be able to have those conversations. You know, often I get asked, like, what do I do? Like Thanksgiving's coming up, right? What do I do about that crazy uncle that all they want to do is talk about how bad all this stuff is and how do I convince them to to vote in a more progressive way and I think some of the advice I'd give is some that I've heard elsewhere too is they're better off knocking on 20 doors right and talking or talking to 20 other friends who already are in line with you they believe that we should have a more progressive country a more progressive agenda they're just not quite at the point where they are voting and I think part of it is how they identify themselves instead of saying I'm going to vote We should be saying, I am a voter. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Right. I am a voter. It's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I I am standing up for this democracy which is under attack. I'm going to make sure that the American dream can move forward. And the only way that does move forward is by having a strong democracy. And folks, we got to fight for it. Go ahead, Tanya. The other part of that is the education factor. Like we're we're in GOTV right now. We are in Get Out the Vote because it, it's Tuesday, November sixth, right? Um, but the 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 education that we have been doing for months with the union, through the union, through our partners across this state, is huge. Reaching out to and knocking hundreds of thousands of doors so far. Um, I think it might even be more than that at this point, but hundreds of thousands of doors, we have been able to educate people and then circle back to them and make sure that they know what's going on, they know what's at stake, are able to build a personal connection to why they are a voter and why it's important to do so and really what's at stake. That's a huge part of this process. Are you converting people that were otherwise going to vote Republican, do you think, or are they people that are on the fence? Hey, we're up in Northeast Pennsylvania here, okay? So the fact is that that's why the program exists. We are actually having people vote for Governor Tom Wolf who have Trump signs in their yard. Yes. Okay? That's that's what we're doing here. This is the work that we're doing here. And here's the good news. Once someone becomes more educated about politics, there's no going backwards. Like their eyes are now open. And then the more that you learn, the more that you see how much work really needs to be done to keep our country moving forward and to keep our democracy moving forward. I'm working with a team of people here up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that are just incredible. They have worked so hard and they know so much. Some people have come here. I even had one person who was not even registered to vote. But she's like, I really want to get on board here. I want to do something about this. We got her registered immediately. 
She started working. And now you should hear her talking about these rights that we have and how we have to move these things forward. It's amazing. The And, and her eyes are open now. Now she comes in fired up and say, oh, my gosh, did you see what was happening down in Georgia? What they're trying to do to those people on those votes? I mean, she is amazingly aware. So that awareness doesn't go away. So what Tanya said is so important. The, the We need to educate. And unions have always been in the forefront of making sure that their members are educated. Absolutely. They were the sole source, you know, way back in the day mm -hmm. of political information about how um, how how governments can actually work for the people. Let, let me ask you this, uh, guys. The folks that you're talking with, too, what didn't they realize before you talked with them? What were they uh, unaware of or misinformed about? Did you have, Are you finding out? So I find that a lot of people um, kind of are, I guess, um, they are very jaded about politics to begin with. Don't we always tell people never talk about politics and religion? And then we wonder why people don't know anything about either one of those things. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, what we're finding is, is that when we started this work a few months ago, um, we were talking about stories and talking about stories and finding out what that person at the door was like. This wasn't a canvas that you typically see where people show up, they get their clipboard, they get their donut, they're told, here's your script, go out. We went out there and we said, what is important to you and your family in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania? Okay, Joe, here I am. I'm at your door. I work for my union, uh, Service Employees International Union. What is important to you and your family right here in Wilkes-Barre? I know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world, but what should the election really be about? And they were telling us, they were telling us their stories about how it's so important that they have good health care, how it's so important that they have a good paying job, how it's so important that their kid can stay in Wilkes-Barre and not have to go somewhere else when they graduate from college because there's nothing for them here or even get that education in the first place. And so that opened up our dialogue and every one of our members, hardworking people in Pennsylvania, know what these stories are like because they're living them. And so we had people knocking on the doors that knew these stories that were local, that could talk to these people. And then their eyes open up and they're like, wow, that makes sense. And who's fighting for this? Tom Wolf is fighting for this. And Bob Casey is fighting for this. And Matt Cartwright is fighting for this. They are fighting for the people. And we were able to make that connection because sometimes we really, in the fog of war, we don't know who the bad players are and who the good ones are too. You know what? We are in an uncivil war right now. And we need to make sure that our people, our people, meaning the hardworking middle class people who are struggling, people who have just come here and they want a fresh start, that they have what they need to achieve that American dream. I know it sounds incredibly optimistic, but it's where we need to go. This is what America is supposed to be about, right? Yeah. Tani, do you want to add to that? I would say, you know, a lot of the conversations that folks are having, and again, we have these, these programs are happening across the state along with, you know, other groups and, and, our, and our partners. I would say, you know, building a connection with people. One of the things that, that I've said at the doors myself is, you know, this is important to me. You know, education is important to me. Is that important to you? And seeing what's going on in their community and then actually being able to educate them on actually what happened in the state. Okay. So, 
if, if, if the quality of public school education doesn't seem like it's good or that it's moving in the right direction, well, we were able to make strides with that because Tom Wolf was able, able to put $1 billion back into the public school education system, right? right? And, and telling, telling people that, that, you know, that's something that happened earlier on that either folks forgot or didn't hear about because there is a lot of other garbage that people are just inundated with. Yeah. And being able to pull out what he was actually to do, able to do for home care workers in the state of Pennsylvania, allowing them to, you know, start working on collective bargaining rights. Um, the governor was sued for that. A lot of people don't even realize that. Um, you know, and just educating on people, being able to, you know, thrive in their homes as they're elderly or disabled because they have good quality home care services and those those members those workers are able to unionize and get the proper training that they need governor wolf signed on for that um so these are the kinds of important educational conversations that we're having across the state that a lot of people just aren't aware of or have forgotten and so these organizations are not only working here, Lawrence, but they're working across the country and uh, and especially in New York State. I know we SEIU is very active in New York State and, and, and pretty much in every state in the country. But we have partners like For Our Future and Make the Road and and um, Next Gen. And, and there's a coalition here in Pennsylvania. I want to give a shout out to Pennsylvania Together Coalition. And there's a local group, Action Together Here, which is made up of people that have just had enough. After the last Last election, they formed in a five-county area and said, we're going to make a difference. And they're out there knocking on their neighbor's doors. They're carrying their children as they go and knock on the doors. It's just really amazing to see this, this connection that's happening through education and, right. and through letting people know what these issues are. It, their eyes are open. And once they're open... They're open. Like I said, the genie right. can't go back in the bottle. They're now aware. And this is what gives me hope because we are building this political infrastructure, this progressive infrastructure, which has been missing in Northeast PA and in in our state, frankly, outside of Philadelphia and the metro areas yeah. or what we call the collar counties, uh, Pittsburgh, um, the, the counties like, like uh, Montgomery and Bucks, those that are around the city itself. Um, and so we're, this is something that we really need. And as the chair of the Progressive Caucus for the state of Pennsylvania, that's something that really excites me of seeing that actually happening day by mm -hmm. day in rural Pennsylvania. So that in 2020, when we get to the next presidential election, we don't have the same fiasco and uh, have Pennsylvania supporting uh, Donald Trump uh, second term. Uh, I, I imagine is part of the reason as well you're trying to build this infrastructure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is the exact opposite of what America needs. I mean, you just, I don't know any other way to say that. I mean, it's just the liar in chief just doesn't work. I, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's just so outrageous. I, I don't even know where to begin with that. I'd rather just ignore it, you know, and let him go to his corner and cry. You know, I mean, seriously, I mean, unbelievable. Um, but I, I think, what we really need to do is focus on people because that's the exact opposite of what he does. Um, you know, and, and making sure that people have the information, the education, and understand that a democracy really needs for, for us to be vigilant. And, um, and we're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our kids. Um, we're fighting for the American dream. Um, and, and, and it has to be a fight. There's, there's no other way. We just can't, um, can't let this go by. Not if we want the country that we aspire to. 
Right, and I see you're an idealist, and Tanya's an idealist, I'm sure, and so am I, and I wonder if there are enough idealists still uh, in this country to pursue these these sorts of goals of collectivism and, uh, as you put it, the American dream, or people are just saying, ah, that's, that's not my concern, or they're not even raised on that anymore. They're just trying to make sure they're satisfying their, their own immediate needs through, you know, getting enough money to buy the next... Uh, uh, electronic device that'll give them short-term entertainment and things of that nature. Are we lost? Are we lost as a people? I wonder sometimes. I truly do. You know, again, I'm talking to two passionate idealists. I don't know if uh, a majority of our fellow citizens on this continent or or in this country, I should say, are are there. Again, I think it goes back to education, right? Right now, we're in a movement. People are moving. Um, groups are forming together. Community is is being built. Um, and, and this is a movement that's going to take us beyond 2020. It's also going to take us to, you know, midterms and every year elections. There are elections that happen every year that people are unaware of, that they're suddenly seeing, okay, my local municipality is having an election in, in, in 2019, and I'm going to be on top of that. We are building awareness and strength within the community that's going to be able to carry us forward as long as we all stay diligent with the work that we're doing. So I want to give out to my uh, give a shout out to my uh, relatives who are living in Brooklyn and Queens and Staten Island, and I have relatives all over New York, and I want to give a shout out to them particularly because I know many of them are optimistic as well, and I think that there are optimists all over the city of New York and all over the state of New York and all over the Eastern Seaboard, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of work that we do. And once again, once your eyes are open, they're open, and we can open a lot more eyes. And so um, I'm not concerned about how small our numbers are if we have some kind of purity test for being an optimist. I'm like, are you kidding? Everyone can do this because once you understand what is at stake and how important it is um, to have a vision of what our country can be, then uh, you know what it is you need to do. Mm-hmm. You automatically know what it is you need to do. What, what is at stake? What, why uh, is it so important? It, it's everything. I mean, it really is everything. It's the idea of of living your life with dignity. It's the idea of working hard with um, with a goal in mind that's actually reachable. It's the idea of being able to have fulfilling, fun, loving relationships. You know, it's 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 about um, having some decent respect, not being afraid. Let's start there. Like that fear is is amazing. I mean, we should and we should be able to to be in any kind of environment and have a sense of of self and a sense of uh, of stability and and one that that says, you know what, I'm an active member of this society in this community community. I'm accepted for who I am and for what I believe and it's respected and no one with beliefs different than mine are going to try and take that away from me you know and 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 we can all move towards common good common goals and I so I guess I am an optimist because I believe that most people are good and uh, and that you have to really work at being bad. And there are some people that really work well at being bad. But but I um, I feel that that in our core that sometimes we do that because we're really afraid. Um, I think some of the things that we see that we think is someone acting out of strength is really because they're terrified. Mm. They're afraid. They're really afraid. Like those people who don't want others to vote. They're really afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well put. Dwayne Heisler and Tanya Morrow, political activists, community activists, good citizens of the U.S., union members here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Thank you so much for spending some time and sharing so much energy and insight and passion with us on the program. I, I love the work that you do, and thank you so much for having us. And you know what? I'd like to do a follow-up to see like how this really holds up after the election, and then we'll see how optimistic we are. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure we're going to be fighting the fight. So <laughs> yeah, we will. You're a regular contributor, Dwayne. We'll have you on again for certain, and we will we'll uh, reflect on what transpired. But until then, good luck. Keep it going. Keep the faith. And again, thank you for all your good work. Thank you very much. Thank have a you. great one. Bye. Bye. From the October 8, 2018 edition of the New Yorker magazine, on the Shouts and Murmurs page, something titled, How to Think Through Finding a Lost Shoe, by Anne Beatty. Were you swimming, and is another shoe lost also? Do you have a dog? Do you ever secretly gnaw on the sole of your shoe? If so, might you have eaten the entire shoe? Might it have disappeared down the same drain from which the bit of dental floss protruded? Are you not aware that drains vary in size? If, as John Lennon suggested, you can imagine there being no heaven, 
Can you imagine that you never had the shoe? Has your husband recently, quote, cleaned the house? Can you close your eyes and envision your route from the bar to your home after an evening of doing tequila shots? Might your ex-lover be really, really mad at you for breaking things off? And if so, might he have pulled a little prank while still refraining from posting naked pictures of you online? Do you have a cat that acts like a dog? Might it have blown away in the woods where it was anchoring a pile of clothes after you had the it's over discussion, which resulted in your plunging into the ocean and swimming toward the horizon? When stuffing things in the Goodwill box, did you perhaps step out of and also push in one shoe? Did you have a terrible itch and remove your shoe during the Predator to scratch it? At your annual physical, did you step out of your shoes before getting on the scale, though you had not been asked to do so, and in the flood of negative emotions you experienced when the little weight came to rest so that the scale was perfectly balanced, might you have backed off the scale and put only one foot into one shoe? Did your doctor trip when he entered the room to give you your annual physical? Did you recently pile quite a few items on your head to best explain to your godchild who Carmen Miranda was? Did you recently take shoes to be resold and then fail to examine the contents of the package before taking it home? After clearing security at the airport, did you remove from the bin your belt, your loose change, the necklace that initially set off the alarm and resulted in your having to step aside to be patted down, your laptop, your folding umbrella, your empty thermos, your jacket, your sweater, your beret, your purse, and the brooch that may have contributed to the necklaces having set off the alarm that subsequently resulted in your being patted down, forgetting one shoe, have you got out a flashlight and looked under all the furniture, who do you think is responsible for those dust bunnies, if not you? Might you have done an imitation of Nikita Khrushchev for your godchild to explain who he was? If you recently dropped a plant out the window by accident, is it possible that when undressing you also threw down a shoe? Might you never have had a second shoe, which would explain the deep Lowman's discount? Bonus question, if you are an ex-hippie or have had a lot of therapy, have you asked your foot where its shoe might be?
catalytic. Yellow strawberry blonde purchase of some sundry passion fruit leads me to see that the catalytic converter in my heart seems bent on hiccuping when I need it to fire cleanly, despite the acid rain it ultimately causes in my own personal ionosphere of contempt-driven living. Wish I was clearly seen. I could use some corroboration, Mr. Burroughs. Have it, episode 291 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our regular contributor, Dwayne Heisler, and his special guest, and our special guest, Tonya Morrow. I'd like to thank 
writer Anne Beatty and the New Yorker magazine, as well as these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Jason Isbell, Courtney Barnett, Suzanne Vega, The Beatles, Bedouine, Terrence Blanchard, and Brantford Marsalis, too. Until next week, let's try to enjoy this one. And if you're hearing this before Election Day, please do go and vote and use your conscience and your informed, analytical, intelligent mind when doing so. I humbly request. Take care. <laughs>